This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. We'll go right back to the phones for Mary Joyce and Steve is in Wilson. Is that Wilson, New York, Steve? Yes, Rich, how are you? Terrific, thank you for calling. Richard, sorry. <laughs> Can you hear me? Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. You're on the line with Mary Joyce. Hello. Hi. We can hear you, Stephen. Can you hear us? Yeah, I, I lost you. I can't hear you guys at all. Okay. Can you no, hear me now, I cannot Steve? hear you guys at all. All right. We'll uh, put you on hold, oh, and we'll try and uh, get back to you. I got you now. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you guys are talking about the tunnels and all that stuff. Okay. Well, I got a good good uh, thing for you here. Uh, I live between Lockport and Wilson out here in the country, right across the creek from you. And uh, I'm going to say it was after 2011 in the summertime, uh, there was about three or four nights when my wife and I would go to bed. And as soon as our ears hit the pillows, we could hear a vibration, a humming. And uh, we, we looked outside, we're, you know, we, we making sure nothing's on the house, everything's dead silence. But yet when we put our ears to the pillows, we could hear the hum. It was coming from, I, I swear to God, it was coming from underneath us somewhere. They were probably tunneling in our area. It lasted maybe three, four days tops, and then it stopped. It went away. Yeah, that sounds like the reports we've gotten, and it, it doesn't last very long. Can you find uh, two points where they might be trying to connect things underground? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. All I know is, is I'm probably 10 miles from the air base up here outside of Niagara Falls. Well, that's, if that that's, has anything to do with it, maybe I don't know, but uh, I I know they're close. I can tell you that for a fact. Uh, if the right, military Steve, base is close, that uh, that would make you more suspicious. Thank you for that's the call. So, yep. Yeah, oh yeah, no yeah. problem. Thanks for having my call, guys. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, so, if they are tunneling and connecting all of these bases. Military bases above ground, military bases below ground, other installations. Uh, I mean, they must have some pretty amazing technology, high speed maglev trains. I don't know. What, what do you what do you hear? Uh, well, uh, I'm going to jump around just a little bit, but I'll stay underground with you. Um, we just posted a story. It's right at the top on the um, on the homepage now, I believe. Let me make sure I'm telling you the truth. But there was a story real recently um, on June 19th of this year uh, that there was a UFO hovering over Dayton or over Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for three right. hours. And uh, this is not an ordinary base. It's primarily known for secretly storing ET bodies and debris from yes. the Roswell crash. Uh, there have also been reports of the military interacting with live ETs. But here's the underground part. Um, I got to interview a man, uh, uh, his name is Woody. He grew up around 
um, the base. And he told me that uh, Monsanto Research Corporation has an underground facility beneath that base, right, Patterson, that is associated with three things that he mentioned. He mentioned nuclear weapons research, uh, the old Manhattan Project, and nuclear power systems for the U.S. space program. He said that an insider had told him that the Monsanto facility is so large that they have horizontal elevators to use to get around uh, the facility. Hmm. So Amazing. there we go with another uh, you know, underground facility. Uh, this isn't uh, exactly on topic, but it is with the Wright-Patterson uh, base. Um, this man that goes, you know, we just used his first name, Woody, and he said that uh, occasionally Wright-Patterson will shoot laser beams at the moon. And he said this used to happen when he was a teenager, and he and other teens... Uh, would congregate around the base whenever they would see this laser beam being shot because usually UFOs showed up after that. So I found that kind interesting. Of interesting. But that's just been posted, and if you can get to um, our, our webpage, it's at the very top of uh, the column on the right-hand side. I see it. Yes, there it is. There it is. So shipsovercashiers.com, if you're on the homepage, it is the very first story. Uh, and it is titled, Why Did UFO Hover Over This Air Force Base? And you said that was June 19th, which is interesting because I was on a baseball road trip with my boys. We were in Cincinnati to see a ball game on the 19th, but then the very next day, uh, we passed. Um, was it the next day? Now, I'm, I'm a little cloudy on this, but we passed Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, at least the exit, uh, and we passed through Dayton. Uh, in and around that time. So we just missed so you were it. We there. just you missed might have, it. <laughs> might actually have been able to see it, huh? Well, had we been, uh, had we had time to, to take that, I wanted to go to Wright Pat, and because there's a museum there that's that's open to the public, parts of the base are open to the public. Uh, and this, I mean, how, how many, how many UFOs? Was it just one seen hovering it over the base? one that hovered over the base for three hours. The time length is My really word. quite incredible. That is. And I was able to pull off two photos that we have posted with that story uh, that came from a video by TV7 in Dayton. And the reporters there uh, did their job. They tried to find an earthly explanation for this uh, UFO and they checked with the National Weather Service and the hot air balloon companies, and none had any balloons flying at that time. And, of course, they checked with the base, and as you might expect, uh, they didn't know anything about it. Three hours. That's unprecedented. Yeah, there's no way that somebody at that base didn't know about that. I mean, that's ridiculous. But, uh, mm. you know, just the way it is. Yes, I'm so sorry I missed it. I was right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, you mentioned Sugarloaf. Um, yes. Tell me about this base in North Carolina. Well, um, I, I went there in uh, 2010 for the first time, and I was able to have an interview with a woman who, um, she and her husband lived at the very top of the mountain, and there's only like, um, I can't remember if it's six or eight, but it's just a small cluster of homes um, and then you have to like hike and there's a gate and there's some kind of facility above that. And to get there at that time, it's changed a bit since then, but at 2010, 
it was a, a single-lane gravel road with lots of hairpin turns to get up there. Um, and she told me at that time that she had seen um, like a major helicopter drop earth-moving equipment at the top of the mountain, which would be up a little higher than where the houses were. And there, there were lights being, sh- uh, you know, uh, illuminating the place. And there was all sorts of activity all night long. And the next morning, she and her husband jumped the fence and climbed up there to see if they could see what had been going on. And she said there was fresh sod all over the top up there. So they had done something and then resodded it. And she said it was, you know, very fresh because it was like, she described it as like walking on a new grave because it was so um, <clears throat> soft and spongy. Um and while I was interviewing her, I was at her dining room table, and where I was seated, I could look out her front window, and there was one of these um, um, military um, unmarked um, SUVs that came by her house real, real slowly, looked toward us, went to the end of the little road, turned around and came back and did the real slow thing uh, going back the other way. And I just felt like they knew we were in there talking about that. And, oh, yes. Uh, she has seen, you know, lots of vehicles going up and down that mountain. Uh, when she's climbed over the fence and gone up there, she has seen car tracks or vehicle tracks that go right up to um, a solid brick wall. And that's impossible. You know, tires are round and you have a bumper part in front of the tire. So there's no way the, the track is going to go absolutely right up to the wall. And yet uh, that's what happened or that's what they saw, uh, implying that something opens up and, and you know, the trucks can drive right in. Um, what's even more interesting is two years later, I was able to interview uh, three people who were in the cleaning business. They would go to people's homes and clean. And... They knew uh, the story that we had posted from 2010, and they said that uh, everything had changed in two years. Um, they saw um, about 20 Pike electrical trucks. These are the really big ones that often go to uh, uh, emergency situations or where there's been a disaster. And there were these huge um, cable spools with real thick cables and very um, uh, big towers, and these, this cable, this big giant cable or cables, were being strung up the mountain going up to the top. Well, why would you have giant cables uh, going up to the top of a mountain where supposedly there's only six or eight houses? Um, uh, I don't know. And they've also improved the road uh, and made it bigger. Uh, there's a lot more activity on the road. They've seen... Uh, unmarked um, suburban SUVs. They've seen Black Hawk, uh, Hawk helicopters. So all of that changed in just two years. And again, um, if you look on Google Earth, would you, would you see anything around this sugar yeah, loaf? Well, I don't know. I, I In my book, I actually have a, an aerial view of the very top of the mountain. I don't know if it's still available. I haven't checked it in some time. But when you get when you get this looking straight down, it looks exactly like um, 
uh, a missile silo. And a missile silo typically is in two sections, and the larger section is um, like an octagon shape, and then there's a smaller round section. And in the book, I have that aerial view, and then I also have a diagram of a missile launch control center, um, and you can see how similar uh, the two, uh, you know, look. So something's going on there that's beyond ordinary stuff. Any UFO sightings around Sugarloaf? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, this, yeah, uh, she would see UFOs, um, you know, fly over the mountain, fly low over the mountain, hover over the mountain. Um, she also saw something that was quite odd. She and her husband were driving into town, and again, at that point, it was this winding gravel road, and before they got down to a ma- major highway, there was this, like, little baby uh, UFO, a round thing uh, that had landed by the side of the road. She wanted to get out and check it out, and her husband grabbed her and, you know, wouldn't <laughs> let her get out of the car, and he took off. Good, but it, good it choice. But it looked like a Listen. scout, scout uh, vehicle of some kind. Fascinating. All right. Another quick timeout, Mary. Stay with us. The Conspiracy Show returns in a moment. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Mary Joyce uh, is with us. And again, the website skyshipsovercashiers.com. We're talking hidden underground bases in North Carolina. At least five. Uh, by her count, what is going on there? What is going on deep underground, underneath Smoky Mountain National Park, uh, underneath Sugarloaf, underneath Mount Mitchell, uh, underneath Chimney Rock State Park? Uh, speaking of Chimney Rock State Park, let's talk about that one. First of all, where is Chimney Rock State Park uh, in relation to the other bases? Um, it would be pretty much south of Asheville. So it would be um, further east than uh, either Perry or um, Smoky Mountain. And so, wh- what do we hear about the the, um, the hidden base there? Well, what I, um, during the break, I, w- I had to refer to my own book because I didn't want to give you false information. I'd like to read a quote by one of the witnesses who was there both in uh, before 2010 and saw what the old road was like. And then she was there in 2012 when everything was being changed. And this is what she had to say, and it's about the size and the magnitude of of the project. She said the electrical lines that were being installed are so huge that you'd expect a giant sports stadium at the end of them. Each concrete pole is about 5 to 6 feet in diameter. The lines are about 10 inches thick. And there were multiple lines, not just one. I, I saw the lines being strung from giant cable spools that may have been 10 to 12 feet in diameter. The new electrical lines go up to the very top of the mountain and then under the ground. I should add that every time I go to that mountain, I see some kind of suspicious vehicle that seems to be guarding or monitoring the area. So that gives you a size. I mean... A pole that's five to six feet in diameter is huge, and a a cable that is uh, 10 inches thick is huge. 
and uh, the fact it goes up to the top and then under the ground um, just confirms that there is something major going on beneath that. Uh, one of the other witnesses, the one I talked to from her house or at her house, uh, she said at one time there was a huge explosion underneath the ground, and the next day um, there was a, I don't know which order it came in, but uh, there was a piece of equipment that was brought up the mountain, and it was covered with a tarp. Uh, there were guards uh, walking alongside it on each side. And then later on, I, um, the same truck came down uh, with something else covered in a tarp. And she just figured a major piece of equipment had gone out and they had replaced it. Um, so that was some pretty noisy evidence that something is going on beneath the ground. Right. But why would they have to cover it? What kind of a piece of equipment was that? My God, it's like every every uh, every week there's another episode of The X-Files playing out in yeah, North Carolina. I, you know, I wish that I could give you absolute information of why this is happening. All I can do is continue to reveal these strange oddities. And again, some of these things come out in little pieces that don't make sense by themselves. But the um, Chimney Rock State Park they bought up more land and they, they expanded it. Well, they've expanded it toward Sugarloaf Mountain, which means that none of the land um, on that side of the facility can be bought up. And that keeps a buffer, um, uh, you know, around the facility. Right. That's very reminiscent of what they were doing out in uh, Groom Lake with Area 51. They just ex- ex- kept expanding uh, the boundaries so that you couldn't get close to it. Right. Are these, uh, I mean, they're not as well-known, obviously, as Area 51. You have referred to, which one do you refer to as the new Area 51, by the way? You mean where here, where I am here in North Carolina? Yes, yeah, you've referred the to one of them, I believe. One that, is... The newest one I'm aware of is the Smoky Mountain one. Okay, that's is that what you call the new Area 51? Well, no, I don't call anything Area 51, but that is the newest of the facilities that I'm aware of. All right. But are they starting to to attract, especially the ones where there's UFO activity, are they starting to attract anywhere near the the interest that we saw in Area 51? No, uh uh-uh, no way. I mean, most people, you know, wouldn't even know about this. And, and they can't you know, be pleased. They, uh, who's ever responsible, can't be pleased that you're that you know about it and that you're talking about it. Do you ever suspect that you're being monitored? Um, I well, I'll get off into a little bit of. I, I've always had this um, uh, guiding feeling that I get, and I, uh, if I get in a very relaxed state, I will get information. I was told in an undeniable voice that I personally was not to set foot beyond the gate of the Perry Center. There was no explanation, but <clears throat> that that um, form of getting information has been uh, accurate for me for my whole life, and uh, I'm not going to uh, put myself in jeopardy. That sounds like voice to skull. Is that what we're talking, B2K? What are you calling it? Voice to skull technology, V2K. No, I, I, I regard no? this more as a spiritual um, ah. type of uh, direction. And you might, let me just squeeze one more thing in here that uh, I haven't even okay, put can on I, the website Okay, can I get you yet. to hold on to that? Mary, I'll get you to hold on to that. 
We've got uh, we're pressed up here against a break. We'll do that as soon as we come back. Mary Joyce, Underground Bases, North Carolina, The Conspiracy Show. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Just a, a programming note. Uh, next week on the uh, the broadcast, uh, Cayman Mythwood will be uh, here in the first half hour. Cayman is the uh, the creator of Occulticon, which is a, a conference happening in September, Occulticon 2019, up in Holstein, Ontario, which I guess is about 90 minutes northwest of Toronto. And it's a beautiful event, a campground called Mythwood. Apparently, it's the highest campground in Ontario. It's kind of equidistant between all of the Great Lakes. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, setting. And uh, I will be speaking there on uh, Saturday, September the 14th. But I'm going to be there for part of the weekend. Occulticon runs from September the 13th, which is a Friday, Saturday the 14th, and Sunday the 15th. And uh, all sorts of uh, great speakers. Uh, And um, so Cayman will be with us, Cayman Mythwood, uh, next Sunday to talk about uh, Occulticon. And then David John Oates of Reverse Speech Radio, will be uh will be here as well and uh, he'll be actually he'll be the uh, the first guest out of the shoot uh next week and we'll um will it be instituting that as a regular feature the uh, the second sunday of every month david john oates from reverse speech radio he'll share some reversals with us on the program and then uh, in the second hour of next week's program john zeta is a toronto journalist who's written a brand new book on uh, sasquatch so he'll be with us for the uh, the second half. That's all next week on The Conspiracy Show. And uh, for more information, go to strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. Uh, that is the, uh, the portal to all of my projects. There's also a live events and appearances page at Strange Planet. Go there for more information on my upcoming appearance at Occulticon. 2019. All right. Mary Joyce stays with us for the uh, the final segment, and we're talking underground bases. I was asking you uh, no, wait, about... Before you do that, before you do that, yeah. let me hook on to what you were just saying. Um, most of the, uh, you know, UFO Congress, uh, you know, conventions are out on the West Coast, and there is a big one that's planned in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's called the Alien Expo. They run it all together. It's XPO, Alien Expo in Knoxville. And I will be speaking there on August 18th uh, at 10.15 in the morning. And the reason I mention it is uh, especially because I will be showing, uh, it's essentially a photo show that goes along with what we've been talking about tonight. And it will be about uh, UFOs and uh, underground bases. Um, the photos will include some great ones that I've never seen anywhere else of UFOs or uh, right around the sun. And they're huge. <clears throat> and these pictures are phenomenal. So ah. if anybody is close to that, it's Alien Expo, Knoxville, Tennessee, August 18th. Terrific. 
Uh, now, before the break, we were talking. I was asking you whether you'd ever felt that you were being monitored, and you said that you, from time to time, you hear this voice in your head telling you to stay away from, do not go through the gates at, at Perry Center. And uh, you wanted to add something just before we had to cut you short there because of the break. Do you remember what that was? You wanted well, to add something to that? I was going to tell you because that kind of, I was saying that uh, I've gotten like spiritual directions or messages for ever and ever, it seems. And when they come through real strong, I pay attention to them. I've learned the hard way that you better not pay, you know, you shouldn't ignore them. But um, I've got a story that will be posted on the website maybe um, next week. And it's about my own experience when I lived on Cocoa Beach between Kennedy Space Center and Patrick Air Force Base. And this was back in the 1980s. And I was fortunate to meet a number of people who worked at NASA. And one of them was an engineer who lived just down the beach from me. And one day he arrived at my door with a gift. And it was a box of 24 books. That surprised me. But they were not ordinary books. It was a complete collection of esoteric philosophy books written by Alice Bailey. And uh, um, she is a, she was a theosophical um, writer, and it explains uh, spirituality related to the solar system, destiny of nations, meditation, healing, telepathy, all sorts of things. She was one of the first people to use uh, the term New Age and the term Age of Aquarius. And the thing that surprised me even more than this gift of these books was that he said that many of his colleagues had read them. So you don't think about uh, NASA engineers uh, reading uh, spiritual theos... I can't even talk this late at night. Um, That's all right, theosophical. Esoteric books, you know, you just right. don't... Uh, but apparently they do, or at least some of them do. And uh, like I said, that'll be posted, uh, should be posted next week. Or maybe right. by the end so, of this week, if I'm lucky. Ah, terrific. And again, it's skyshipsovercashiers.com. And there's con- contact information there, presumably. Uh, I mean, is there uh, kind of a special hotline for whistleblowers? Or how do they generally contact you? If you go to the website, the best way is usually to reach me by email. If you go on the homepage, there's something about, you know, how to report a sighting. Uh, and there's my regular snail mail address and my email address um, and that's probably the best way to reach me and I should Terrific. also mention before we run out of time totally if the topics of underground bases um, you know are of interest to a lot of your listeners um, I do have a book you can get it through Amazon and it's titled um, Underground Military Bases uh, Hidden in North Carolina Mountains and we've also linked up to that on uh, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. So people go to the homepage and uh, click on the radio show, the conspiracy show. It's right there under uh, the guest's name, Mary Joyce. Okay, thank uh, you very much. Mary, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, and I, I hope we can do it again soon. And I hope next time you get close to a UFO, you get to see it. <laughs> I got to get back to right pad. All right. Thank you again. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks to Owen Wolf and Ryan White. Back next week, as I mentioned. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, 
Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Or at least up the stairs. Good night. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Mary Joyce will stay with us into hour two and we will take calls after the uh, top of the hour. Now, uh, why don't I, I'll give you those phone numbers again, uh, just in anticipation of that. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. That's in the greater Toronto area. And then toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. We started talking about the the second military base or second hidden underground base in North Carolina. And uh, now you call it the Perry Center. What is the Perry Center, actually? Uh, It's an acronym for Pisgah Astronomical Research Institute. The facility was a part of the Department of Defense during the Cold War, uh, supposedly it's been turned over to an astronomical research uh, uh, operation. Um, but sometimes you can get in there uh, through the gate and there's no problem. Sometimes they invite people out there to um, observe the, the stars with the telescopes. Um, and other times you can't get in there at all. Um, I call it a capstone cover uh, for what's beneath it. And there are two... Uh, witnesses um, with high security or above high security clearance uh, who have both confirmed that indeed there is a city side size facility beneath um, what appears to be just an astronomical research place now. But it was a major um, satellite uh, tracking station during the Cold War. But it's still operational. The Cold War is, of course, long gone, but it's there are still personnel there. It's still operating. Is that right? It's uh, It's been turned over to like an educational-type facility mm-hmm. on the surface. So on the surface, uh, that's the whole thing that they're devoted to is astronomy. But that facility is still beneath there, and there are still times when there is... Uh, I had two Air Force guys tell me that they had seen... Uh, guards in um, uh, like SWAT outfits um, guarding the gates at some points. So there are times when they're very cautious about it. Uh, considering that it's city size beneath that, I suspect that's not the only way to get there. And and how do we know the size and scope of what lies beneath the Perry Center? How do we know it's city size? Um, from the two witnesses that um, that I had the privilege of meeting uh, who have, you know, proven to me that they have this high security clearance. Um, 
I don't know what else to tell you. I, I well, certainly know you, I'm not going to get down there. Uh, no, no. They've they've been there though. They they assure you they've been down there. They ha- they both are familiar with it in one way or another. Yes. When you say that they've demonstrated to you that they have high security clearance, can you share with me what that means? Well, one of the witnesses, um, I had um, put something on the website from the first witness. And this man, who I have met through a a job that I was working at at one point here, and I had just known him as a customer in the store, um, and he... um, began to tell me what he normally does, and I was able to confirm this in indirect ways. For example, he would go up to Washington to teach courses in, you know, uh, I don't know, spy stuff, espionage, uh, Mm -hmm. counterintelligence. So I knew these things about him, which at a very personal level gave me credibility, uh, gave him credibility to me is what I should say. And he was very, very cautious about confirming the information. He deliberately wrote it um, in a style of writing that is not his own, so he couldn't be tracked that way. He had somebody else deliver the uh, written uh, testimony to me, and he has refused to be seen around me since then. So he does not want to be connected um, in, in any way whatsoever. But he said he doesn't like everything that's going on there, and he he figures that at least he could shine a little bit of light on it. What is it that he doesn't like? What did he suggest or hint at that's going on down there? Well, the first witness um, told me, and then this man confirmed it later, that they do mind control things there. They have the ability to wipe out people's memories. Um, uh, many years ago, I interviewed a man with, who, when he was a boy, worked at a nearby tree, Christmas tree farm, and people at the Christmas tree farm had seen caged animals being taken into that facility. This was before it became an astronomy place. Um, you know, why? Why, why would they do that? Um, so the, you begin to put these little pieces together, and it just makes the whole place seem more and more suspicious. We also see a lot of UFOs um, um, around that particular center. And for a while, I was getting reports from one man who would see the uh, UFOs flying over the Perry Center very low. Uh, He would report them and tell me about them. And he began to have um, his equipment, his computers, completely wiped out. And after that happened once or twice, I think it was at least twice, he decided he couldn't afford to um, speak out about it anymore. So he went quiet also. Mm. And what do they describe these craft as looking like? Um, here, This is in this same general area. We have all sorts of different kinds of UFOs. The ones that we see, um, like going into the lake near this facility, which may be an entrance, are more the saucer-shaped UFOs. But we've seen some incredibly strange UFOs. We have them. um, We have pictures on the website um, of ones that look like asteroids. And they're not zipping through the air. They're hovering close enough so that, you know, somebody was able to get pictures of them. Uh, They're very odd-shaped. 
um, I don't know. We've had just about every kind of shape you can imagine, but that's one of the ones that was really strange to see them looking like an asteroid and hovering over cachers. Um, uh, and it was the light from the ground that illuminated them. They weren't, you know, emitting light. Um, we, it's very common to see the ones that have rotating colors. Uh, if people get close to it, sometimes they can see um, lights going around the circumference of the UFO, and the colors change. Typically, we hear uh, blue and red and yellow or green, and uh, it'll just ro- rotate around the circumference. Um, I haven't had many reports of this, but we had one many years ago where it was a UFO that looked like it was stacked, like you could see different layers um, or floors. Right. Uh, we've had the, the cigar-shaped ones. Um, I, I don't think there's really a limit on them. And, and you mentioned that some of them have been seen going into or coming out of a nearby there's a lake. lake. There's a lake just to the west of the Perry Center, and there's been, I've not seen this myself, but I have gotten reports from people who say they've seen them go in or out of that lake. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about underwater UFOs. Well, they're no different. They're impervious to the water and impervious to the air, so they can go in and out with ease. And, uh, you know, after the break, remind me to tell you about the uh, most recent report I got about um, underwater UFOs. I'm making a note of that. <laughs> underwater UFOs. We will tackle that when we come back after the uh, the top of the hour, which is quickly approaching. Just a, uh, a moment uh, or two here remains in this hour. And just a reminder well, that Mary thing Joyce... I want to emphasize is, you know, you and I have talked about the two bases, and those are certainly the two that, you know, deserve a lot of attention. But there are other ones that have, you know, that have stories to go with them, too. Uh, the one uh, under Sugarloaf Mountain, which is near Chimney Rock State Park. It's right on the edge of it. Um, you know, it's certainly a story worth telling, too. Chimney Rock State Park. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why do you suppose they're, they're choosing state parks, national parks, to build these bases? Just- Maybe because they can control areas more? I don't know, but... Um, it, let's see. And there's one under Mount Mitchell. That's like a, you know, resort type camping type place that people go to. Um, there's one in Linville Gorge, which is a popular place where people like to, you know, camp and hike. Um, They're hiding in plain sight, it would appear. Mary, we'll take another time out. This is the top of the hour. And just a reminder, we'll open up the phone lines next. Take your questions and comments as we discuss underground bases, hidden bases in North Carolina and a connection to UFOs, perhaps. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the shag carpeting, simulated wood paneling, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big hearty how-do to everyone listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM, 
here in Toronto. Hey there to everyone listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hello, all of you using the Zuma Radio and Conspiracy Show apps. Hiya to everyone watching the live stream on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and we are live streaming tonight. And uh, to those of you assembled in the live chat, however, and wherever you're listening or watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Mary Joyce, founder and editor of Skyships uh, over Cashiers.com, is with us. A fabulous website documenting all sorts of strange activity, UFO sightings, Bigfoot sightings, little people sightings, uh, reports of hidden underground bases, whistleblower testimony. A testimony about underground bases. And uh, as I say, she's here for the full two hours. And we are now opening up the phone lines for questions and comments. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area and toll free from everywhere. one 866 740 4740 uh, So we, we talked about uh, Smoky Mountain National Park. We talked about uh, Perry, the Perry Center, uh, which you says has a, a city-sized underground base. And um, we'll, we'll get to some other bases, but I want to, I want to come back to uh, underwater UFOs. Uh, first of all, this lake uh, near the Perry Center, how large is it where these UFOs have been seen? Um, I don't know how to give you the size, but it's not a real big lake. No. Is it's it not deep? one of those that sprawls out. Or, um, you know, a lot of lakes up here, they've actually dammed up rivers, and you have, like, lakes that have lots of little fingers in them, and they can get quite large. Uh, this would be more like a lake that just, I don't know, had a spring source of water, um, and, you know, it comes closer to being a round lake. Right, right. And people have seen entire crafts coming out of the lake, going into the lake. That's what that's what several people have told me they have seen. Um, I have not uh, sat out there and seen them myself. So sometimes you just have to trust that somebody is telling the truth. And that's one of the reasons that I like to interview people in person when I can. You can tell so much uh, when you're face-to-face with somebody. Their credibility is a little bit easier to read. Um like one witness um, uh, actually went to his house. I was able to see his military credentials. They were, you know, he had a whole shelf of them. And uh, he certainly wouldn't have concocted all that just to, you know, talk to me for the first time. So uh, Was he active, active military or retired? Um, he, uh, let's see, this particular one that I'm referring to, which is a total different story, um, he was in very high security, cosmic uh, level. And even though he is technically retired because he had uh, some injuries, uh, he still is active in some way or another because every once in a while he'll call with a little clue about something I might want to follow up on. Cosmic level. What does that mean, do you suppose? Uh, I'm sure there's a definition for it. Um uh, I haven't met that many people that have that kind of level of, of um, secrecy. Um, I know that one man that had it, he was fully aware of the whole ET, um, you know, situation. Uh, was mm-hmm. very much involved with it. 
So maybe that's an aspect of it. It's certainly not all of it. Um, but there's got to be a nef- definition somewhere. And uh, are there lakes near the Smoky Mountain National Park base where UFOs have been seen? No. No. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to tell me about these underwater UFOs before yeah, we proceed? I was at um, a Bigfoot conference in Georgia not that terribly long ago, and I was talking to a man. Uh, actually, I was looking for Bigfoot stories for the website, and the more I talked to him, um, I got a totally different story out of him, which I thought was much more interesting. And he had been in the Navy for 10 years, and he, for half of that time he was a sonar tech on surface ships that track submarines all over the world. And during that, those five years, he had five instances where uh, they saw uh, underwater craft. And he said that they were, he said their ship was uh, 560 feet long and about 60 to 70 feet wide, and these were bigger than their ship. Um, they were uh, required to report them as bioluminescence. And a bioluminescence is, is some kind of little tiny creature that lives in the water that is self-illuminating. A lot of yes. times they'll go in schools, and so you'll see like a, a, a wave of color going through the water. So they were required to list them as bioluminescence, uh, but he said there's no way that you would have, uh, let's say, a school of these little tiny creatures um, that would be that size and, and move at the speed they were moving. Um, he said they were moving at 45 knots, and, of course, I had to go look it up. That's about 51, 52 miles an hour, and there's no amoeba-looking uh, creature that I know of that could move at that speed. Um, so they saw them go under their... their uh, uh, ship uh, on five different occasions, and they would change color. Um, just like many of the UFOs in the sky will rotate blue and, and yellow and red and different colors, he said these did the same thing. Um, he said they would, I guess he said they were yellow, and then they would turn all blue, and then they would turn all red. And again, uh, little critters just wouldn't be doing that. So... What and do you suppose? The reason, I, the reason I thought it was neat to get that story is because, yes. you know, I'm here in dry land. So uh, to get a, a face-to-face meeting with somebody who has actually seen them out at sea and around the world, I thought was kind of neat. Right, right. Are these UFO sightings, do they, and this all of this chatter about these hidden bases, does any of this filter into the, the mainstream media? Do you get any reports in the paper or on radio or the local TV stations about any of this? Um, as you know, we're finally getting um, regular media giving some coverage to the whole subject of UFOs, which, you know, 10 years ago, that was not happening. Right, so, right. Um, but this is not broken into the public realm the way uh, the UFOs finally have. Um, for years, there's been stories about uh, facilities out in the West that are secret and underground, um, mm-hmm. you know, beyond Area 51, you know, Area 52 and Tonopah and uh, Dulce and Scandia Mountains. I mean, there's been lots out, out in the Western part. But the reason that I wrote the book, Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains, is because I hadn't seen anything about facilities in this area. 
And if it had already been covered, I wouldn't have uh, taken it on as a project. And you know of five uh, alone in one state, in North Carolina, five in one state. There may be more, do you suspect? Right. Now, there's underground boring machines, which are really, all I can do is compare them to something bigger than a, a, a train, and they're uh, cylinder shape, and they just can, you know, hone right through uh, solid material. And that's what's used to create I, the tunnels, uh, which I believe co- connect many of these facilities. Um, at one time, I was in connection with uh, two men who were uh, former Air Force guys, and they were investigating uh, Perry and some of the other facilities. Uh, they were the ones that saw the um, guy in a SWAT suit uh, guarding Perry Gate at one point. But um, they felt very strongly that there was like an underground subway system that went from Washington, D.C., down the uh, Appalachian Mountains, you know, down to where we are here in North Carolina. And uh, uh, some of the reports we've gotten from just residents in the area, um, they will tell us things like they hear underground machinery and, 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 and vibrations, but they will only last for a certain amount of time. Um, many of those reports have been from people who live on the Balsam Ridge. So Perry is on the south end of this uh, ridge, and if you were to keep going south, uh, going north from there, you'd eventually run into the Smoky Mountain National Park. So you have to think that maybe a connection tunnel was being made there. You just said something very interesting, uh, that... You, you, you talk to someone in the U.S. Air Force who is investigating. It sounds to me like people in the military aren't even aware of what's going on in these bases. Otherwise, why would they be investigating what the military is doing? Well, They're investigating these, themselves? These two, these two gentlemen were with the Air Force. They didn't begin to do their own investigating until they left the Air Force. Right, right. And they probably wouldn't have had the freedom to do that, you know, if they were still in the military. Sure, sure. Uh, let's grab a call here. David is in Vermont. David, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Yeah. Hi, hi Richard. Uh, great show last night also. Uh, well, thank you. Sloan, Bella. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, yes, uh, Mary, um, uh, do you believe um, uh, that hotel that you mentioned earlier, though, that was the Greenbrier, I believe. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, um, do you believe that um, there's, a, like, the hollow earth theory that maybe we're trying to get to, you know, in the hollow earth where supposedly Shangri-La exists? Do you believe in anything like that? I don't think we're digging to get down into the center hollow earth, but there is a whole lot of the earth that uh, uh, is hollow, um, so I wouldn't. I don't know exactly how it works, but they're finding more and more evidence, um, especially in Antarctica right now, um, where they're finding you know cave-like structures and apparently remnants of old forest and old uh, civilizations, and it gets to be really quite complicated. But once you get into some of the caves in, the, in any part of the world, you begin to realize that the earth uh, is much more like Swiss cheese. Um, I went to uh, Carlsbad a bunch of years ago, 
that place is huge. It seems like it, if I remember correctly, it's between 75 and 80 stories deep. And it's just humongous. So there's a lot of hollow spaces in the earth. Um, I'm not ready to, um, I don't know, fully endorse the idea of a center core that's totally hollow. I don't know about that, but there's a lot down there that is hollow. I mean, I've read that there's a, um, a whole race of uh, people uh, living in the hollow earth. Uh, you um, heard anything about that? or? Yeah, uh, that starts way back with uh, Admiral Byrd. And he, yeah. if one, he has two diaries. One of them uh, was less well-known, but it's the one where he talks about flying into uh, this almost like an under, you know, hollow earth uh, uh, yeah. society. And yeah. uh, he was a very credible man. And so you have to consider that um, he was telling the truth. Was that Dave, down in Dave. South America at the tip of South America, I believe? I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Was that that was in like uh, South Southern South America? No, the South Pole. He flew over the South Pole and and yeah, saw this yeah, opening. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, Richard. Yeah. yeah, that's right. David, thank you for the call. Great question. Uh, Richard, uh, can I just tell you yes. something. Yes. Go uh, ahead. Judy Byington. Judy Byington. B Y I N G T O N. Author of Twenty Two Faces. Okay. Um, Judy. Guess, future guest. Byington. Twenty Two Faces. Oh. 22 Faces author, great future guest. Thank you. I'll look into that. All right, David from Vermont. Thank you. A couple of things. The the idea that uh, you mentioned these you know huge underground caverns that are just naturally existing, is that perhaps why they're choosing those these locations underneath national parks, underneath to the mountains that, in North Carolina? That's very, very logical. Um, it would save a whole lot of effort if you're simply expanding a large cavern or cave that's already there. And right. uh, it would save a lot of effort. Um, that's certainly the case down in Antarctica. Uh, apparently the facilities there, which um, uh, ETs and the Nazis have both ac- occupied, uh, they were made um, by volcanic, you know, hollowed out tunnels from volcanoes. Yes. And yes. many people will still be surprised that one of the most active volcanic regions in the world is in the western part of Antarctica. Right, right. This is why a lot of the ice is melting there, uh, because sure of all the uh, the volcanic activity. Sorry? Uh, I'm sure that's a factor. Right, right. No no question. Uh, the, um, the possible connection then between uh, the UFOs and these bases, do you have any information that these craft may be uh, human in origin, in other words, engineered by some advanced, uh, you know, aviation program within the military. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's getting harder and harder to sort them out because uh, our military technical skills are way beyond whatever they choose to let us know about. And, uh, I'm always suspicious of the small triangular craft. I, I really do not think that, I do think that some of those are man-made. Um, so, yeah, you have to be a whole lot careful uh, anymore because they could be our military. 
You say the small triangular craft. We have these yeah, reports of these huge... Ones, I just don't see how we would be able to pull that off at this point. Like the one that flew over uh, Phoenix, that right. was huge. And that's hard to imagine that maybe we've gotten that far. Um, but the smaller crafts, you do have to wonder. Um, I had one uh, guy who contacted me a, bun- a whole bunch of years ago. And he was riding his motorcycle not far from where I live. And he said there was this low-flying uh, UFO, and it was flying so low that he could see um, a, a human in it who was a man who was laughing at him because apparently, uh, according to his story, they were having fun and scaring the man on the motorbike. So, yeah, there's um, we have some cowboys in the military. and <laughs> Some cowboys. I like that. Um any disappearances, strange disappearances in and around these these bases? You mentioned because one of the whistleblowers talked about uh, people, you know, being subjected to sort of mind control experiments, have experiments having their memories wiped. Have, they, have I mean, are they experimenting on locals? Are people being swept off the street? Are people disappearing in these parks? Um. Roswell, uh, Rosman is the closest town of any size to the Perry facility. And people are very, very cautious about talking about things in that town. Um, I did get contacted by a man who was in uh, the part, Department of Social Services. And he, I can't remember all the, the terms that they use, but he was getting cases of satanic um uh, I don't know, abuse of children and, and some very strange behavior. And when he reported it to the state, let's see, what was it? It's like the state FBI. I don't know what it's called right now. And um, they took the case away from him and wouldn't told him not to talk about it. So little pieces like that just make you more and more suspicious of what's going on. But that's certainly not proof. No. No, but it is, as you say, disturbing to say the least. Uh, have you have you ventured into Rosman and poked around a little bit? Um, in Rosman, the town I have, and I was hoping is to, it, you know to get stories, but at this point, I have not been able to see. So, how do people know, how do people react when you bring it up? Are they nervous? Uh, yeah, they they kind of want to quickly change the subject or say they don't know anything about it or and some of these people should know something about it like anyhow i don't know maybe one of these days i'll get lucky hmm. uh, again heading into a, a break let me just remind people we are taking calls and i'll give you the numbers for the greater toronto area again it's 416-360-0740 416 360-0740 and toll free from everywhere 1-866-740-4740 again toll free 1-866-740-4740 and uh, more of my conversation with Mary Joyce editor founder skyships over cashiers.com underground bases right here on the conspiracy show
From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Mary Joyce, writer, researcher, blogger, podcaster, uh, she joins me for the full two hours to talk underground bases and possible connections to uh, UFOs and other strange phenomena happening in uh, beautiful North Carolina, where she is tonight. My technical producer is Owen Wolf. That's Wolf with two Fs for those keeping score at home. My live stream producer is Ryan White. And we are, in fact, live streaming tonight on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And you should also, uh, well, you, sh- you should be able to see me up there on the live stream in full Technicolor in my little studio beneath the stairs tonight. And... Uh, I believe we have a photograph up there of, uh, of Mary. And if you are there on the live stream and you've, this is your first time, please be sure and hit that red, red sub button if you haven't already done so. So as I say, Mary with us for the full two hours. So we will open up the phone lines in the second hour to take questions and calls. So just sit back. And uh, enjoy the conversation for the first full hour, and then we'll open up those phones, and you can weigh in in the second hour, and we'll we'll roll the full num- full phone numbers a little bit later. I just want to mention uh, here, before we get started with Mary, a paranormal researcher, author, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who has uh, been a contributor to this program for many, many, many years. Uh, in fact, I think dating back to... Uh, even before this program was on Zoomer Radio. She would join us the second Sunday of every month uh, for what we called our Paranormal Roundup. Well, Rosemary has decided to step back uh, from uh, some of her radio duties, and she's focusing now on her uh, publishing company, Visionary Living. And she's handling a lot of authors, a lot of new authors, and it's going very well. But uh, she's just... You know, she's decided to focus those uh, those energies and her time on that for now. So uh, we thank Rosemary for her incredible contribution over the uh, over the years. And we hope from time to time she'll be able to uh, to join us, uh, perhaps when she's published a new book of her own. So that being said, next week we begin a brand new segment and it'll take place again the second Sunday of every month. But in the first hour, the first half of the first hour. The second Sunday of every month, David John Oates, the discoverer of reverse speech, uh, will be here. Again, that's the second Sunday of every month in the first half of hour one. And he'll be along to talk about reverse speech. He'll also play a couple of reversals. If you're not familiar with uh, reverse speech or David's uh, work, you are in for a treat. So please join me next week. It's fascinating. This is technology the CIA has basically acknowledged they now use for interrogating people because reverse speech is supposedly the, this is the theory anyway, the speech of the unconscious mind. And you can't lie 
with the unconscious mind. So look for that next week. All right, let's get Mary in here. Mary Joyce has worked for two major metropolitan area newspapers as a writer, columnist, artist, Sunday magazine editor and feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and a number of books. Currently, she's the editor of the Sky Ships Over Cashiers website, which features cutting-edge topics. She's also worked for the world's largest private printing company, a major metropolitan air pollution control agency, a community college, and for political campaigns. Her career includes working for a Fortune 100 company, coordinating art and printing for talking children's books. And she is, as I say, the founder and editor of a wonderful website, skyshipsovercashiers.com, which is just chock full of, of great articles on UFOs, underground bases, cryptids, photographs, videos, news articles, her reports, uh, and the books. Uh, she has written underground military bases hidden in North Carolina, and uh, in North Carolina mountains, I should say, underground military bases hidden in North Carolina mountains, Cherokee little people were real, and tangible evidence of Jesus left behind for us. Mary Joyce, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Fine. It's good to hear your voice again. Likewise. So those, uh, first of all, those not familiar with skyships over cashiers, just give us a little tour of the website, how to navigate it, where, where do we, what do we find there? Um, it started out just because we had so many UFO sightings, so that certainly is a big topic on the website. But we've, it, we find so many other things that are happening, so we've branched out in a lot of different directions. Um, we have Bigfoot in the area. I think it's very interesting. They're in the same areas where we see UFOs. Uh, we have the remnants of the little Cherokee people, which, you know, were about three feet tall. And there's been evidence of those, again, in the same area. Um, and we have the underground bases, and I've written about five of them here in uh, western North Carolina. And we've gotten off into an awful lot of other things. Um, I basically have a big curiosity, and um, I kind of let my curiosity take me places. And that's one of the reasons that I really enjoyed being a feature editor. Um, anything that caught my interest, for the most part, we could go and, and dig into it and find, you know, an interesting angle to it. So I bring my, my art background and my writing reporter background together. So the website really is very visual. It's not uh, just a lot of words or gray matter. Um, I think we have uh, photos or something with almost everything we post. And I also try to keep it condensed. People are very, very busy, so um, I try to, you know, keep it so you can skim things quickly. I even do a little bit of boldface throughout an article, so those of us who skim things a lot, um, it will flag you down and slow you down for at least important things. And the home page um, is essentially divided into three sections. We have the masthead at the, t at the top, and on the right-hand side we have, I think, like the 20 most recent articles that have been published. And on the left-hand side we have different categories um, of, of topics. And it would be like just articles, which can be anything. There's uh, skyship photos. We have a section on witness testimonies, deep throat testimonies, which are people who 
um, usually are in top security positions or something where they can't fully identify themselves. They will let me know who they are, but they won't let me post it on, on the website. We have a section devoted just to ETs, Bigfoot, and other beings. We have connections uh, around the globe and out into the universe, and we have undercover operations. So there's a whole lot of things to, to choose from. And skyships, obviously, referring to unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs or UFOs, uh, whatever the preferred acronym. Uh, cashiers uh, refers to what? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, we began to see so many UFOs over this um, town called Cashers, and it's spelled as if it was a cashier at Walmart. Um, but it's a high ridge, uh, small community that gets a little bit bigger in size uh, during the hot months when everybody wants to get cooler and come back up to the mountains. But it's um, just a mountaintop community and uh, totally surrounded by forest and, and uh, lots of interesting activities. Beautiful. And and what part of the state is it? It's in the extreme western part of North Carolina. And what's I've driven the interstate there. Uh, is it forty seven? Is uh, it an interstate? Forty is 40? a major road that would be going from Asheville, and it would take you over to Tennessee. Uh, we are still further west than that. Um, okay, I'm, I'm about so that was forty minutes from Asheville. Okay. Did you say that was uh, Route forty? Uh, that's what I'm guessing that you're talking about. Right. Yes, it's I've driven that. That's from... that's. I believe that uh, that took me through the mountains, and it was just absolutely spectacular. And that's a pretty dramatic gorge. Um, they still have rock slides and things that uh, will block traffic for a while. So uh, when you go through there, it's um, it can be an eventful uh, ride through that gorge, especially right. if there's a big truck breathing down the back end of your car. Oh yes. <laughs> I, it was foggy and rainy, and uh, there was yeah, there was some logging trucks either side of me. That's that that made for a uh, a, a bit of a white knuckle uh, yeah, trip. I'll tell you that much. You go on forty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, um, I want to ask you right out of the shoot about uh, an underground base, or there are there's more than one in North Carolina. I'm guessing I've written the one I've written about five of them. Yeah. Uh, the big hole. I keep reading about the big hole. This was a base. I think it was a joint military AT and T operation during the Cold War. I think it's been uh, it's been abandoned for some twenty years. Where is the big hole at? Uh, you're going to be real disappointed. I don't know. Oh. How's okay. Well, there's. Uh, no, that's all right. I did. I, I um, maybe it goes by a different name, or it probably does. This one is, I think, is in is in Chatham, Chatham County. Could be that's, Chatham uh, County, in the other yeah. part of the state. Uh, if it's not active, it's not something that I've been investigating. The ones that I've written about are ones that are active. Things are definitely uh, going on. Okay. All right. So the uh, the one that you you've written about most recently. Uh, the one that is, I guess, of greatest interest right now that you're hearing most about from whistleblowers, etc. Whereabouts is that situated? Well, the last time that you and I talked, we, we got into quite a bit of the one that's the oldest that I know of in this area, and uh, we covered that pretty well. The The one I learned about um, the most recently is the one that was uh, built under the Smoky Mountain National Park. 
and <clears throat> it it um, the the original person who was the witness for it uh, was a man that I had known for a couple of years, so and I had every reason to trust him. And when he began to see strange activities um, in Cherokee, which is right next to the Smoky Mountains, um, he began to take pictures and he started to tell me about it because of the website. And because of his alertness, we learned a whole lot of things. Um, I Basically, well, let's see, what can I tell you? There's a lot of oddities that are happening there. For example, um, all of a sudden the park became a no-fly zone. And they said the reason that they did it was because they had reintroduced the elk into the park and they didn't want the airplane scaring the elk which is just the biggest bogus excuse in the world because uh, right along the main highway that goes between North Carolina through the park and over to Tennessee is, um, you know, well-traveled, lots of traffic, and you always see the elk out there by the visitor center. Um, the cars stop, the people jump out, they take pictures. The elk aren't bothered at all, and they've reproduced in, you know, very significant numbers. So this whole excuse of, you know, making it a no-fly zone is just rather odd and highly suspicious. Another thing that's really odd and suspicious, and this I was aware of since I first moved here in 98, was that people, they get back into the woods, uh, either hunting or, you know, riding the trails. Uh, they've seen foreign military um, soldiers uh, doing practice uh, you know, maneuvers, and they've seen Germans, and they've seen Russians, and they've seen UN troops, and that's another oddity that's going on in this area. Uh, a third oddity is um, people have gotten into the, the remote part of the park, and in certain areas near where this entrance has to be, um, they have been stopped by um, park rangers with either M4 or AR-15 machine guns, and have been people have been told to turn back or not to go any further. And that's just something that, uh, you know, you just don't expect to find in any national park. Um, a fourth oddity is that uh, big um, cargo military planes will fly in and out of the park, so they're flying really low. And uh, this man, his, we use the name Clark for him, uh, he got a picture of one of them flying out of the park, and it was flying so low that you could still see the um, the cargo, uh, you know, the rear cargo uh, door still open. It hadn't closed completely. And he also got pictures of uh, Osprey uh, helicopters, and these are working helicopters. They're, he's seen them where they have, um, like, what they call a big load hanging from them, uh, where something's being dropped off. Um, so uh, that's another oddity in this particular park. One of the uh, a sixth oddity is um, is a story that started with the um, uh, fish hatchery, which is like down in the valley, so to speak, in Cherokee. And uh, the water stopped flowing into the uh, fish hatchery, and so two of the men followed the creek up to find out what was stopping the water. And they ran into to several things. First of all, they were ones that ran into the uh, 
machine gun guys, but they also discovered that the reservoir, which had always been full of water, was totally dry, and in its place was a 50,000-gallon water tank that was halfway buried in this dry reservoir. And what makes it interesting is there were pipes going out of it and going down into the ground. So it was being used as a water supply for something beneath the ground. Um, Mm. And then we've gotten multiple reports where people are hearing booming sounds or like a pylon being driven into the ground or the just, you know, machine-type sounds beneath the ground where there's no obvious um, structures or anything around. Uh, it's just all quite odd. How, how far are you from, from the National Park? If I, could, if I could fly, I could go right over the ridge. Um, where I live, I look up at the Blue Ridge. If I were to go north and over the Blue Ridge, I would be in Cherokee. But you have to wind around the mountains to get from where I am, and that takes about 20 minutes. And, and roughly how large in square miles, let's say, would Smoky Mountain National Park be? That's a really good question. I don't know the answer, but it's a, fair, it's a good-sized park. And, um, and so, so that no-fly zone, for example, that extends over the entire park? That's my understanding. Uh, it, they are most concerned about the section that would be in the uh, eastern part of the park, uh, it's not the place where most of the tourists go unless they're, you know, campers. Um, if people want to look this up on a map, if you uh, find the location for the, let's see, Mile High Campground, it's on a high, on a, not a highway, it's on a little road called Hindtugi Road, and that's about the closest landmark to where the, the entrance is. And the entrance is unreachable from that road, but it's down uh, from there. In fact, when all this suspicious activity was going on, they closed the road for uh, two years. Um, they said it was because there'd been a washout, but this is at the same time when the reservoir is totally dry. So it's another um, bogus excuse for, um, you know, blocking off a highway, but they were using it to uh, obviously haul things closer to uh, the actual entrance to the facility. And and do you have reports of people who've actually seen the entrance and when we know physically where it's located? No. The best story that I can give you is how this actually got started. Uh, This man that I told you that I knew, uh, when he came in to tell me what he was finding, his whole story started when he and his wife were at um, uh, on the south side of Cherokee. They had stopped either for gas or convenience store, and they saw this really strange... Um, piece of equipment on the back of a flatbed truck. And he had been in the military, and he said it looked like a, uh, I don't know what he called it, it's like a decontamination chamber. Right. Very odd-shaped. So he's, he's not shy. He went over and started talking to the driver who was parked there. It was a woman driver, and maybe that was, uh, well, anyhow... And he was talking to her, and she said that uh, she was waiting for um, a convoy of other, I think it was like five trucks, and an escort. Um, and that she said they were taking equipment uh, to someplace else in the park, and then it would be airlifted to, um, you know, a nearby location. They 
stuck around. They saw the other trucks arrive. They all had Navy tarps over the equipment. And the es- the escorts uh, arrived, and they were in um, white, I think, SUVs, totally white. And the uh, people in it uh, were dressed in black and had um, guns. So this man and his wife, they, at a distance, followed this um, convoy. And it went um, on the main road that connects, you know, Tennessee with um, uh, North Carolina. And this convoy moved into a campground, and it's called Smokemont. And after they entered that uh, campground area, they closed the gate, and nobody else could get in there. So um, that was the suspicious activity that really made him become very alert to the things that were going on there. And ever since then, he's... I've been monitoring it, I guess, and reporting back had, to you. Is that the idea? A, a couple of years um, where everything was really intense. Uh, I don't have the notes in front of me, but it seems like from 2010 to 2013 was when it was the most intense as far as the building goes. Now, things still happen. Since then, we had an, uh, another witness who, again, um, had military experience at one point. Mary, Mary, I'm just going to get you to hold on and to, and tell us about that other witness. When we come back, we'll step away here for just a second, and we'll be back with Mary Joyce, founder and editor of a fabulous a website, SkyShipsOverCashiers.com, talking hidden military bases in North Carolina, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Mary Joyce is with us. And for the full two hours, the website is skyshipsovercashiers.com. And we are talking hidden military bases in North Carolina. You mentioned before the uh, the break another witness. We, we talked about Clark. Uh, this witness near Cherokee who who first noticed some of this strange activity in and around Smoky Mountain National Park. And uh, then you said another witness came forward. Tell me about this person. Uh, this was a, a woman who had, um, I think she probably spent about 10 years in the military. And um, then she went on to teach after she left there. And she drove up to this road that I mentioned earlier called Hindtugi Road, which would take you up to uh, the Mile High Campground and beyond that. And she went up there to take a picture of a Masonic, um, I don't know what you want to call it, a monument that's almost directly above where we believe the actual entrance to this place is. And she said it was a beautiful, clear, sunny day when she was driving up there. And the birds were singing and everything was perfect. And she said the closer she got to this area that we're talking about, suddenly there were no birds singing. It got quiet. And the longer that she stayed there, she began to get a headache. Um, She stayed there anyhow, and she began to, to feel woozy. And when she finally did leave, as she got further away from this magical spot, uh, then she began to feel better again. And I have had, I understand what she's talking about. I call it people repellent. 
And when I have approached uh, the Perry Center that you and I talked about earlier or before, um, when I would get close to it, and I always had other people with me, and they experienced the same thing, you would have this disoriented feeling in your head. And it's like you really would rather not be there. You'd rather turn around and leave. And um, from everything I've been able to piece together, from people who, you know, would know more than I, it looks like they use some kind of an electromagnetic um, energy that I regard as a, as a people repellent. Um, Is that what they call active denial system? An active denial system? Um, I don't know. It's, do you know uh, the well, the, I think police forces now are, are starting to utilize them. They have different techniques for crowd control that, that seem to involve uh, some sort of ultrasound, uh, uh, if that's the right word. You know, it's a, it's a frequency above the human hearing. That you don't hear, but you feel it. Right, right. Right. And, and it I'm can sure have an effect on the, sure uh, the nervous system and so similar, forth. Similar technologies, and I'm sure they've had these for a very long time. And, I mean, we're not, she's not suggesting necessarily that there's some sort of a connection between the 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 uh, the Freemason stone marker and this now it just that, happens it's a close proximity. That's a whole different subject. It's not one that she addressed. Uh, the main reason for her telling the story is uh, what I just told you as far as her physical experience. But right. she also was one of the people who heard uh, the machine sounds beneath the ground, and uh, she described some of the sounds as. You know, when they put a pylon down on the ground for building a bridge or something and they pound on it, you know, that kind of sound. She was hearing that. Uh, She said to the best of her ability, she she went to the edge and tried to look over to see if she could see anything uh, down below. And, and of course, she was not able to. Um, But um, it's, it's pretty convincing there's something going on underneath the ground there. And and you believe the the height of this building activity was between 2010 and 2013. That seems to be when there was the most um, obvious visual um, proof of it. Uh, and then you know once things began to be built or be, you know be completed, um, you didn't see as much of it. I'm just I'm curious. Going back to Clark's testimony, the the, the whistleblower you mentioned earlier, and this decontamination unit what do you suppose i mean what could they run into while they're digging underground could it be something like radon gas i'm 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 wondering um sure it could be something like that my inclination would be it would be for um some kind of a disaster or emergency situation um if this facility underneath smoky mountain national park is similar to the one that we know about under the Perry Center, um, the Perry Center is city size. It's six stories deep. It's totally self-sufficient. So for, you know, uh, certain people, that would be also a survival community if there were to be a natural disaster or a nuclear disaster. And perhaps that's part of the purpose for some of these underground facilities. I don't think it's the only reason that they're there, but that certainly could be an aspect of it. So I would tend to think it would be more preparation uh, for some kind of a disaster. Ah, 
like a nuclear strike, perhaps, mm -hmm. chemical yeah. warfare, right. Uh, right, biological warfare. So right. this any, may any not necessarily, above. right, it, so it may not be a necessarily a military installation. It could be in preparation for some sort of cataclysm, cataclysmic event. It could be used, uh, it's not intended for civilians, uh, it doesn't sound like. It's, it's more like what, a, a, a continuity of government type thing, do you suppose? Um, well, when you think of the continuity of government, you think of uh, things like out in, in uh, Colorado and some of the places around outside of D.C. Uh, where they have places where different aspects of the government can, you know, go and, and survive in a disaster. At one time, um, the, the facility that's in, oh, Sweet, is it Sweetbriar? No, that's not it. There's a place in West Virginia, right on the Virginia border, and it's now open to the public. It's a grand hotel, and you can now take tours of um, the hidden base that was beneath that uh, hotel. And it was at one time designed as a survival place for uh, the people in Congress. Ah, okay. So they're quite open about that. So yeah, because it's so if, outdated, you know. Right. That you know, people found out about it. They you know were whispering about it and. Since it is outdated, uh, they've just decided to open it up and let the public see it. Just getting I'm back sure to the... It's not being used for its original purpose, I know that. Right. Getting back to the reports from some people who were in Smoky Mountain National Park, and, for example, uh, they were witnessing what they described as foreign troops. You said now, German soldiers... Located. That's Russian, not, sorry? That's not limited to the Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, a lot of the um, remote western forest around here are also being used by the military. Um, there's one uh, uh, facility that I've heard about from several men. Most of them would not let me quote them or would not let me uh, write up what they reported. But then... Um, uh, in 2016, I, I was contacted by a man um, who said I could share uh, the information about this facility that's right smack dab on the uh, border between Tennessee and North Carolina. Um, if anybody wants to look it up on the map, the nearest city that I know of is called Teleco Plains. And um, this man was a former manufacturer of, in the aerospace industry. And he comes up here uh, because he likes to enjoy back-to-nature uh, vacations. And he has uh, discovered, um, oh, he found a cement slab that's way down in a gorge, and there was a um, some kind of a oh, communication tower thing that was aimed right at it. Um, then he got to know uh, the people who live there all the time, which would be simple mountain folks, and he said the locals had reported uh, at one time that Russian soldiers uh, walked down the mountain to a church in their community asking for food. Um, they, had, they hadn't gotten their airdrop for a week or two, and they were hungry. And uh, they couldn't speak English, but they found somebody uh, within the church who was able to communicate with them. Um, then there was another story where some um, kids were out um, just, I don't know, doing what kids do in the woods, and they ran into uh, people that were doing full 
um, rifle shooting. And when they told uh, other people about it, uh, one man who had a military background also had night vision uh, scopes or scope. And he went to the area where the boys had seen this, and he said he came eye-to-eye um, eye with another person with military night scopes looking right back at him. So he decided he would uh, just turn around and hightail it back. Um, I have not been able to get too much more information about that, and that's the reason that this is really the first time I've even mentioned it uh, to anybody on anybody's show. But there's something going on there. Um, there's a strange Russian, Russian, tr- Russian soldiers on American soil in some sort of military exercise. Correct. And like I said, you, I first heard about these from some of the hunters and, and uh, actually the, uh, one of the guys who has a store that sells camping equipment and different things that hunters and outdoor people like. I got into a conversation with him. And this had to be in 98, 99. He was the first one that told me that when they went back in the woods, they, um, it was not uncommon uh, for them to run into military soldiers from um, other countries. Um, All right, I'm going to jump in here now, Mary, because we've got the music percolating up. That means time to step away just for a moment. We'll be back and uh, talk more about these foreign soldiers and uh, some of the other strange goings-on underneath, over top of Smoky Mountain National Park and uh, other areas of North Carolina. Mary Joyce, editor-founder, skyshipsovercashiers.com. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Mary Joyce is with us. Writer, researcher, blogger, editor, founder of skyshipsovercashiers.com. We're talking underground military bases, or at least we think that's what they are, military bases. Uh, skyshipsovercashiers.com, a terrific website. So we were talking about eyewitness reports of foreign soldiers, uh, not only in Smoky Mountain National Park, which is where this hidden base is supposed to be, but in sort of the surrounding uh, uh, national forest. Uh, Russian soldiers, did you say before German soldiers as well? Uh, Germans, Russians, and the United uh, UN. UN. I'll give you a piece of information uh, that helped make a little bit of sense to me when when I learned this. And in 1972, uh, President Nixon signed our country on to the World Heritage Treaty. Um, and that put some of our country's national parks and historic sites and monuments under the protection and control of the United Nations. The uh, Great Mountain, uh, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, is one of those. So even though it's in the United States, even though Americans are responsible for, you know, maintaining it, we no longer officially are in charge of it. And this very well could be why uh, other military, like the UN, are able to um, do what they want to. But that's that's only a remarkable. That's only a. And people should probably do the research on that because it's uh, you just have to wonder why we would give up control of something within our own country. Right. Right. Uh, and you also mentioned earlier park rangers 
armed with AR-15s, which is... certainly not all of them. People are only right. running into this in these more remote areas that get close to where this entrance is. Hmm. Uh, so and also, you, also the yeah. park rangers, we have gotten this from somebody who has been a park ranger, and they are chastised and told absolutely not to speak of anything that they see in the park that's unusual of this nature. So mm-hmm. there is a definite effort to um, keep it mums, uh, you know, the things that are going on there. If you try to to uh, do a Google Earth search over the area where you believe this base is, do you see anything? Any satellite images? No, and um, uh, I can do I can do Google searches with the Perry facility, but this one is like under a ridge. And it's like from above, you might not even be able to see it because it would be, you know, inside that ridge is the way we imagine it, uh, because we cannot see anything on top of the ridge or looking down on the side of the ridge. And, uh, you know, people are just not allowed to get close enough to get to that facility. The, the campground where the, the Clark and his wife saw um, the equipment being carried into the campground. That is not that far, but there apparently aren't major access roads, so they were supposedly airlifting this equipment to the entrance. Airlifting. From this same area where uh, Clark was able to get pictures of these workhorses um, for in the helicopters. I mean, Ospreys are workhorses, and there's also sky cranes. And these, um, you know, can lift a lot of heavy equipment and drop off a lot of heavy equipment. And is the is the construction is it pretty well stopped, or do people still hear the uh, these strange noises uh, in I Cherokee underneath underneath um, the ground? I probably should get out and 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 do a lot more questioning again. But I have not heard of anything of the kind of things I'm talking about in the last two years. Hmm. Uh, this is a short segment. We're going to break here momentarily, but let's just start the conversation. Let's start talking about, you and I have talked in the past, I think on the podcast, about uh, the Perry Center. Uh, whereabouts is that located? Uh, if people want, well, if they want to find it, uh, and that you can find on Google, um, the, the, uh, a town of any size would be Rosman. R-O-S-M-A-N, uh, North Carolina, and the uh, entrance to Perry is north of there. There's a little tiny crossroads called Balsam Grove, which is like almost at the entrance to the Perry Center. And this one you can see from Google. Uh, in fact, um, uh, and I do believe you and I talked about this before. Yes. Um, there were reports of uh, new digging and underground activity going on at this base, which is the oldest of the ones I'm aware of. And I was able to Google search and uh, see where there were a giant tarps spread over an obvious hole because there were two tarps and you could see between them. And there was all sorts of evidence of trucks hauling out dirt uh, from that hole. And uh, so people who live in the area uh, are hearing, uh, you know, the digging sounds. So there's uh, expansion going on at that facility. 
All right. We'll uh, take another quick time out and we'll uh, come back and talk more about the um, hidden base beneath the Perry Center. Mary Joyce, Skyships over Cashiers.com. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.